Welcome, everybody, to Dangerous Misinformation, the number one source in the world for dangerous misinformation. Uh, if this is a random thing you clicked on, congratulations. If you're back for more, I really appreciate you. Uh, this is the only podcast in the world where we love everybody, we make fun of everything. I'm your humble narrator. My name is Rodney Smith, coming to you every day with just a little bit of dose of, uh, a little bit of dose, a little dose of dangerous misinformation, because everybody needs a little bit of dangerous misinformation to brighten up their day because we spend all day having the lizard people cram our throats with uh, whatever they want us to believe that maybe Hillary Clinton isn't 240 years old or that maybe, who knows, that Hunter Biden does not smell crack. Um, I don't know. Who gives a shit about these people in general? I don't even give a fuck about these people in general. That's not even why we're here. This is not a political show. This is a show where we're not afraid to talk about anything, though. So we might start talking about uh, making the pussy beatbox, and we might start talking about astrophysicists. Who knows? Um, appreciate you being here. Go get my book, The Petty Principles. Uh, go leave a rating, leave a review, do all the things that you know help the creators out who create the things that get you through your day when you're doing whatever you're doing. Whatever you are doing right now, I'm very honored to be there with you. And with that, let's jump into things. We have a very exciting show today. Uh, we're going to talk about my father. We're going to talk about a clip of me going uh, more than my Twitter usually gets about how a bunch of people think I'm autistic, how I troll people into thinking I'm autistic, um, and much more. I try to give a little summary about what we're going to talk beforehand because that's what some of the uh, more organized podcasters do. But that's not me. That's not me. I rarely drink from the bottle, but I smoke a little weed. Anyways, uh, yeah, let's jump into it. I think what we need to do is encourage more public shaming. Because it seems to be the only tool that is keeping any sort of dignity within our society. As the wheels are completely falling off of the West, the one thing saving us is shaming. Look at when the Karen's Gone Wild came around, right? When all the Karen videos came around. I'm pretty sure a lot of these fucking demons have vanished off the face of the earth because they don't want to become a TikTok. They don't want to end up on TikTok getting roasted, getting flamed, and then getting reshared to Instagram, and then a month later finally ended up on Facebook for the boomers. But I think shaming the Karens really uh, pushed the Karens back down the sewer. Back down the sewer with the rats where they belong, dude. I remember before even the Karen Gone Wild shit became a thing. I remember uh, back in the day when I was working retail, I would... I would like fantasize about just popping off on these rude ass customers. I remember there's this one lady when I was working, I went from working in just the ghetto ass store where there was human feces outside and people would come in and try to fight you and be like, I'm going to call the news. I'm going to call the news on you. And this story is going to be so big. Fuck you, T-Mobile. I'd be like, okay, dude, call them. I'm just a sales rep making minimum wage trying to sell you a phone, so I don't know why you're mad at me that you racked up a $400 bill calling a sex hotline. It's not my fault. We're going on a gay cruise and racking up international roaming charges because on the open waters, uh, you're not protected. But anyways, 
I remember this old bat came in one time, this old, so I went from the hood store with the feces, with the people that talk like that, where this lady, also, I remember this one lady, she would stand on the corner all week and beg for change, and then she would come in at the end of the month and pay with, uh, you know, like, loose change, her, like, $90 phone bill. I was like, bitch, why do you have unlimited data and all these features, all this stuff, the brand new phone? When you're living on the corner begging for money all week. But people got priorities, I guess. But anyways, so I went to the bougie store, which was in uh, Muckleteo, Washington. Muckleteo Speedway, which is supposed to be, which is a pretty nice area. And uh, so I went from hood to all of a sudden, this was my very first Karen experience that I personally had to deal with. This lady came in and I was helping one person. And then there was another person behind them. And then this old bat came through the front door. She's like, excuse me, excuse me, I can't get into my email. And she's all frantic. And I say, okay, ma'am, I'll be right with you. I'm helping these other two people. And I was relatively new, so I was still kind of scared to, you know, talk back to customers. Towards the end, I didn't give a shit, dude. If people were rude, I would just be twice as rude back. It's like, what are they going to do, fire me from this bullshit-ass job? I don't care. And so she finally, she waited her turn. I helped the two people out, and she throws her phone at me. She throws her phone at me. He's like, I can't get into my email. And she's at the, uh, you know, the login screen for her username and password. And I say, okay, well, uh, what is your username and password? She's like, I don't know. That's the problem. And so I kind of look at her. I'm like, well, ma'am, the whole point of you having a username and a password is to keep random people out of your email. And I'm a random person. Although I'm wearing this T-Mobile shirt, I'm a random person. If you don't have your password and email... Uh, uh, handle, I can't get into your email. She's like, don't you get smart with me, you little smart ass. I'm like, what? She's like, they need to train you. They need to train you because this happened to me three other times and every time the guy was able to help me out. I was like, why have you been locked out of your email three times and at this point you still haven't remembered your fucking password, you dumb bitch? You know, she had all the plastic surgery in the face and she didn't quite have the hair... Heron. <laughs> That's what they should call it, the Heron. The Karen haircut, she didn't quite have that haircut, but she was still just everything else about her, just absolute, just fucking, just scumbag old broad that probably sheltered the hell out of her children, and her children are just the most miserable cunts walking around on earth. And uh, I think Karens and helicopter parents kind of go hand in hand. Uh, I think it's just because they're bored, you know? People need purpose. Anyways... Uh, people keep asking me, you know, like, oh, since you're not working at Boeing anymore, aren't you bored yet? No, dude. I used to work 10 hours a day at Boeing. Now I work 24 hours a day for my fucking self. It doesn't end. There's not enough hours in the day. Like, I wake up. I can't even fucking sleep at night, dude, because I'm, so, I'm just laying there like, oh, I didn't get that done. Oh, I need to get this done. I need, I need. And I'm not even cash positive. <laughs> I'm not even making any money. I'm, like, losing all my money. And I'm just constantly just slammed trying to get things done. And uh, like I, this is my social time right now. I'm speaking to you right now. This is my social hour. I am becoming a freaking mole person. I don't have face-to-face contact anymore because all I'm doing is working just constantly. And maybe I'll finally get some time. I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a mental health hour and go sit by the pool and read. And then some people who don't even live at my complex will be there having a kid's birthday party where all these kids are yelling and squirting me with squirt guns. Um, that literally happened. I'm sitting there trying to read my book. And this kid just... 
this kid from the pool, just some random kid, just blasted me with a squirt gun. I'm like, do I look like that big of a pussy? Because when I was when I was a little kid, there's no way I would have just squirted some grown ass man with my squirt gun and then started laughing. <laughs> I mean, I didn't do anything, so I guess he was right. I guess he read me like a book. Speaking of books, go get my book, The Petty Principles. I'm sick of plugging it. I'm not. Uh, anyways, dude. Have you guys been paying attention to this Logan Paul, Dylan Danis thing at all? Because uh, in my opinion, right, in my humble opinion, and nobody's asked, it has gone completely out of control. I understand promoting a fight, but there's also just like somebody's going to get shot. Somebody is going to get shot, stabbed, and it's not going to be Logan Paul or Dylan Danis. It's going to be people in their entourages. Because these people, once you get into having money like that, you know, you roll with entourages and then it just kind of turns into whatever, whatever. But even if Logan Paul's fiance was the biggest Kumar to ever walk this earth, right? That's still homeboy's fiance. And I personally wouldn't be going after her like that because uh, <laughs> one, it's super mean. It's like def he's going to get hit with a bunch of defamation lawsuits and all that. And I don't even know this Dylan Danis guy is, to be honest. I guess he's a really good jujitsu. Ju Am I saying that right? Jujitsu? I can never say that word. Um, I guess he's really good at that. I don't know. I'm not really into the combat sports, dude. I like pro wrestling because they talk shit. But as far as the combat sports, like, I don't, you know, I, I miss that evolutionary gene where I'm into... Uh, physical combat like watching watching people fight i don't know i just don't i just don't get off on it i i respect the hell out of it dude i put fighters at my very top of the totem pole of people that i have respect for and then like good stand up comedians right under that because those are two things where you're really just you're putting a lot on the line you're not like a musician where you have the band to hide behind or the backtrack to hide behind or me doing this podcast where i'm hiding behind a camera or whatever it may be, like when you're fighting somebody, you could die. And when you're on stage doing stand-up comedy, like I'm telling you, there's nothing like trying to make people's day better and make them laugh than having somebody yell, kill yourself. Like, okay. It's so crazy with stand-up comedy and stand-up comedians, how you get people, they want to make, they want to make a crowd laugh. And then there's no other art form where you're allowed to be so judgmental of the person doing their thing. Like imagine you went to a painting, a painting show, a museum or whatever people show paintings, right? And the artist is there showing their paintings. You're like, oh, I fucking hate that one. Or uh, you go to a restaurant and your food isn't quite what it is. And you'd be like, yo, chef, go kill yourself. This is terrible. That's the world of stand-up comedy. And, uh, I think what it is is because people know that stand-up comedy is pretty brutal. Then you get these people who aren't funny and they want to be, you know, the funny guy. They, they want to come in and be like, oh, look how funny I am. I don't have the balls to ever get on this stage or make any sort of contact, but look how funny I am. God, I was on a flight to Alabama and uh, it was like this little, uh, it was this, I don't know even what you call it. Yeah, I was on a flight to Alabama and I was on this little plane. I'm sitting next to this guy. And he first gets on the airplane and he he can't find a place to put his bag. And he's a bigger dude. So I got the window seat. He's got the aisle seat. But it's a very small plane. Then on the other, other side, there's only one aisle. So there's an aisle of two seats and a, then an aisle of just one seat. So that's how small the plane is. Um, 
And so he can't find an overhead storage bin and there's no room to put the shit down by his feet because the plane is just that, that small. A little puddle jumper. Then there's a guy sitting adjacent to us and he has just a tiny backpack above the seat compartment. He's like, hey, excuse me, is this yours? And the guy's like, uh-huh. He's like, hey, can, I, can you put this by your feet so I can put mine up there? So he kind of lifts it and he drops it and the bag hits the ground. And then the other guy whose bag it was, he like loses his shit. He, I thought I was about to witness a, a plane fight finally. And then, of course, it was on the way to Alabama. And, um, and so he grabs his bag. He just stands up and he stuffs it back in the compartment. So then the guy sitting next to me, he, uh, you know, he didn't have anywhere to put his bag. Then, so he just kind of like, I don't even know what he did with his bag. So he sat down and he started talking shit to me about that other guy. And I wanted nothing to do with it, even though I did feel bad for him. I wanted nothing to do with him, but, but then we kind of got to talking, and um, he's like, oh, George Carlin, something about George Carlin, about how George Carlin has a skit about flying. And I guess something that just happened to him was equivalent to something that was in the George Carlin skit. And then uh, somehow it comes up, and he's like, oh, man, I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy. He's like, oh, well, I'm actually uh, blah, 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 blah. I've done, I've done quite a bit of stand-up. He's like, oh, Really? And then for the rest of this, like, however long the flight from San Antonio to Alabama is on a little puddle jumper. Uh, actually, where did I fly into? It doesn't matter. This guy just kept telling me about all these ideas that he has for joke premises. And I just wanted to blow my fucking brains out because I was trying to read a Tim Ferriss book. I was trying to read the four-hour work week. And I got this dork telling me about for two hours about the jokes he's never going to go perform. Um, he was a nice guy, though, but uh, I don't know. Maybe because I told him, like, dude, you just got to go, go, go. Don't tell any of your friends. Just go do an open mic. Just get the balls to go on stage and then just get it out of your system. See if you like it or not. Um, and so maybe he did it. Uh, so, yeah, maybe he did it. Who knows? I don't know. I wish him well, but that shit's fucking annoying, dude. Don't, if somebody... Like, let's imagine you're a, uh, let's imagine you're a, a carpenter or not a carpenter, a contractor or maybe a carpenter or whatever. And somebody hears, oh, you build houses. Oh, this one time I was building a shed and they start telling you about like this little shed that they, they, they were building and about, they just want to prove to you that they know how to build something. It's annoying, dude. Although nobody would probably do that. Sorry, I'm burping into the, burping into the mock. Anyways, uh, I, I put a video up. I put a clip recently where I, where I was joking about how I found out that I'm autistic. I basically told the story about how I was dating a girl that dealt with autistic children. And then when I would get worked up in public to kind of make fun of the situation, she would grab my arms and squeeze them to do this uh, sensory overload calming down thing that she would do to little kids. She would do to me because I would always joke about how I'm autistic. And maybe I'm on the spectrum. I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think I am, Okay. But I uploaded this video, uh, a clip of this podcast of where, I'm t where I tell that story that I just said. And I put it on my Twitter and somehow it got picked up and it kept getting retweeted. And then people have been messaging me like, oh, you're so brave for talking about your autism. And it's like, dude, I'm not actually autistic as far as I know, but it feels good to finally have people call me brave and beautiful. So I think I'm just going to run with it. So when I got to fill out the... Uh, diversity surveys on the social media sites so they don't just boot me off for being a straight white guy. I'm going to be like, hey, I'm actually autistic, dude. See, there's a video of me getting shared on Twitter. It's so funny because then you'll see... <laughs> 
somebody, her name's with, you know, like PhD in the title. She's like, oh, wow, that's very interesting. Oh, God, people are so gullible. Or maybe I'm just a dick. I don't know if people are gullible or if I'm just a dick, but I didn't even mean to troll people. I was just talking, you know, I was just joking about being autistic. I'm not actually autistic, but I'm offended by how believable it was that I that I am autistic, dude. Um, anyways, um, I saw a video earlier of a guy. I was holding the beginning where I talk about my dad. I saw a video of this this sports coach, and we're gonna talk about dads in general, not just my dad. But I saw a video of a little kid trying to hit baseballs and he was training with his dad and the dad was just fucking yelling at him, telling him how much he sucks, that he hasn't had a single good batting practice, but how pissed off he is. And I felt so bad for this little kid. And I'm not the type where I think, okay, we should be babying the children and like, oh yeah, you're doing such a good job, sweetheart, even though they're just being complete pussies. But it's, I don't know, and I've never been a huge sports guy, so maybe it's hard for me to relate, but it's like when your kid is playing peewee sports or like middle school sports even, and there's a very, you know if your kid's really good or not, right, if they're super talented. So if they're just like an average athlete, right, and they're playing sports and they're trying their hardest, and you, they know that they're not doing well. If your kid isn't performing well in their sport, They know they're not doing well. They don't need to sit there in the car getting yelled at by their dad for not doing good. It's bad enough that they're sitting there and they had a bad game. And I remember that feeling. So when I started playing football in eighth grade, I remember my dad would get off work and he would come watch my practices. And this was my first year of football. And he would just sit there in his car just like staring. And then uh, I remember like then I'd get out of practice and he would just critique everything that I did during practice. Like, dude... I know nothing about football. This is my first year. All these guys have been playing together since Little League. And I'm learning the playbook. I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. And he's like, and then the games would come. And then I would suck during the games. We'd be in the car and be the same. He'd be having a little hissy fit. And he'd be be going, oh, you know, all the other parents get to come and watch their kids play and do good. It's like, motherfucker, you don't think I want to be playing and doing good? You think I'm having fun riding the bench? Then when I get in, I'm not getting the ball or getting my ass kicked. <laughs> it's not fun for me either, dude. I don't need to hear it from you. Um, and that's the only time I'm ever going to trash my dad on this podcast because that shit pisses me the fuck off. So if you're one of these sports dads and you're riding your kid's ass in the car, I can't remember some. I think it's Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez said that uh, uh, kids... I say they have bad games on the field and they quit in the car with dad or some shit like that. So I don't know, man, as much as I, like I said, as much as I'm against the pussification of the children of the next generation, um, you don't need to ride your kids that hard and make them feel bad for having a bad game in little league baseball, dude, grow the fuck up. It's like when you see these grown ass men, I remember I went to a silver tips game, a hockey game. Uh, back home, back in Washington. It's like a, these kids are like 17 to 19. It's the, it's not NHL, it's before. And um, it's like a feeder league. And this guy's there with his three kids and his wife, and he's like in his 50s. And then the Silver Tips got their asses kicked, and he's just standing there with his arms crossed, like, this is unexcusable. This is unacceptable. This is a freaking shame. It's like, dude, these kids are 17 chasing a puck around. Go home with your family and read to your kids. His kids were just sitting there like, oh, no, oh, no. 
And I doubt he had a kid on the field, but even if he had a kid on the field, hopefully he didn't have a kid on the field and the kid on the field had to listen to this asshole in the car afterwards. But anyways, this was uh, today's episode of Dangerous Misinformation. We're already at 20 minutes. How time flies when you're having fun, bro. Y'all take care of yourselves. Uh, go leave a rating. Go get you one of these shirts and um, suck my big old donkey dick. We out. Peace. Peace.